what a blessing we have, uh, those of us that are here and that have been able to go to Southern and have Adventist education. What a blessing that is, amen? And to be able to live in this time in Earth's history is incredible. And I hope that as you come to the seminar today, you will be inspired by what God is doing around the world and that that will give you courage in your own life for what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Because Jesus is coming soon. So before we get started today, I just want to ask us to bow our heads for a word of prayer and ask the Lord to be with us. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath day. Lord, we are inside today, but we're grateful for the opportunity to be together and to think about the incredible ways that you are moving around the world. And Lord, we recognize that we are living in the last days. I pray that in the next hour or two that we will gain a new sense of how your Holy Spirit is working and that we would be inspired for the mission that you've called each one of us to, Lord. Thank you for the, priv the privilege we have of serving you. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would be here today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, again, glad to have you all here. And by the way, let's make it interactive because it's a seminar, right? So if I ask you some questions, you guys can give me some feedback. What do you say? Does that sound good? All right. So, and I have some friends. I see Daniel Ramley. He's going to answer me there. Amen. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question as we start. How many of you, well, first of all, and I know this is cliche for Adventists to say this, but how many of you really believe Jesus is coming soon? Amen. Now, let me ask you this question, and we'll get, to, we'll get to this more in a minute, but why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Now, just two days ago, we celebrated the... Actually, what did we celebrate yesterday? <laughs> what was that? The great... Actually, we don't really celebrate. It's not, it's, you really celebrate the great disappointment? You remember it, right? In fact, two years ago, I was at the William Miller Farm for the 175th anniversary of 1844, and of course, October 22, 1844, and, and they were saying, yeah, we don't really call it a celebration, but it's a reminder, right, a reminder of the movement that God has called all of us into, and the fact that we are 177 years closer now to the coming of Jesus, amen? I mean, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but... <laughs> I'll get there in a second, but I, I want to ask you guys, have that in your mind a little bit. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Now, some of you might have some answers. Let's get to that in a minute. But first, I just want to cause, call, call your attention to a few of the things, and this is not going to be anything here in the start that, that is, is new, because we've all been living this reality the last 18, 19 months. What have we seen in our world change just in the last less than two years? incredible amounts of change. So fast, right? And all of us have been touched by this pandemic. Um, I was just thinking the other day that I can count on my, well, almost complete two hands of people that I know personally that have passed away from COVID. I'm sure some of you could also say the same thing. Uh, this pandemic has touched all of us, and it has not only touched us here in America, it's been around the world. And we know that things like COVID, uh, Jesus told us that these were, that these would be signs of his soon return, right? That's one of the things that he told us would happen in the last days. Now, 
we could talk a lot about how it's affected our lives, but I also want you to think about how it has pushed us to new realms of mission that we never could have expected. The church was put in a position where no longer could we meet in our churches, no longer could we do the things that we used to be able to do, now we had to move online. And I'm going to tell you a few stories in a moment about how AWR and our church organizations tried to uh, grapple with this and how the Lord blessed in spite of the pandemic in ways that we never could have imagined. I'm sure you guys could tell me yourself testimonies of how God worked things for good, right, in the last 18 months? I'm sure you could tell a testimony, amen? Opportunities that God brought out of this bad situation to help others to know him and to help. He always does that. He works good out of bad. Now, we know that COVID is a sign of the times. What else are signs of the times that we see around us? Just interactive, really quick. Anybody else? Okay, decreasing of religious freedom. That's another good one. Okay, increased knowledge. All right, that's good. What else are we seeing eminently? In the natural world, what are we seeing? War. We're seeing war, right? We just... More fires. More fires. In fact, thank you, and I knew the Cal... No, <laughs> he's not from California. I just keep David. But um, Michigan, <laughs> sorry, David. California fire. This is a picture from uh, Paradise, California, just a couple of years ago. You remember that terrible tragedy that happened there? Um, this is a picture from not far from Loma Linda, where I used to pastor. Uh, fires that were taking place there in Southern California. Here's a picture from Paradise. I want to, to point out that almost every house in that town was completely devastated by fire. We lost our church, almost all of our church. We lost part of the hospital, the Adventist Hospital. Incredible stories that happened out of that fire a few years ago. But I, I, I want to use this as an illustration to say that the things that we have in this life, the stuff that we own, the houses, the cars, our material goods, none of that is going to survive in the end, right? None of that is going to make it. The, the Bible tells us that all of that one day is going to perish. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, let me ask you a question. Does this verse give us a clue as to why Jesus hasn't come back yet? As we see the signs of the times, as we look at the things that are happening around the world, COVID, fires, wars, pestilences, natural disasters, decrease of freedoms, all these things are signs. Why has Jesus not come back yet? He's long-suffering. What does that mean? He's patient. Why is he patient? That's exactly right. He wants everybody, as many as possible, to have an opportunity to accept him, to know the truth. Amen? To hear the three angels' messages. And so we see here in this text one of the reasons why Jesus hasn't come back yet. Now we'll get more to that in a moment, but I want to show you this next text here, also from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Therefore, since all of these things will be what? will be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And this is the key. Looking for and? Hastening. What does it say? Hastening. hastening. The coming day of God. Now, I have a question. What does it mean to hasten? Okay. 
let me tell you something. When I was younger, my dad used to have a nickname for me. You know what it was? Slow-mo. Slow-mo. Hey, slow-mo. Uh, now, my dad loves me, but it was kind of it was my nickname in the family. Why? Because I kind of did things slow. I was always slow. I was always the last one in the car, always the last one to get ready. I don't know why. I was just kind of slow. And so when I'm slow getting ready, what, do they, what did my parents probably tell me? Hurry up! It still brings me a little anxiety to hear that, think about that. Kyle, hurry up, you're going to be late. So to hurry up means to hasten. When they're telling me to, ha to hurry up, it means get ready faster. The Bible here is saying that we actually have a part to play. Do you follow that? We can actually hurry up the coming of Jesus. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? We have a part to play in the day of the coming of, of our Lord. And as we look at the world around us, it should be a wake-up call to our church, amen, that we have a great work to do to take this gospel to the world. Now, I know this is GYC, amen, and GYC is an army of young adults, an army of youth, right? Reminds me of this quote here that you all know from Education 271. Ellen White says, with such an army of workers as our youth, rightly trained, might furnish. Look at this, friends. How what? How soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon-coming Savior might be carried where? Do you think that GYC Southeast, praise God, is helping hurry up? Helping train that army of young people to go out there and carry this message to the world? Absolutely. That's why I praise God for conferences like this. Because we're training our young adults, we're training our youth to go out and take the message to the world, which I hope all of us will do. Amen? And I believe we can see it in our lifetimes. So, guys, as we look around the world and we see the disaster, we see the, the things that we have all experienced even in the last two years, that's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus is coming. The good news is that Jesus is coming. And I hope as you hear some of these stories, you're going to be inspired by that. Now, who knows where that is? Speaking of Ascension Rock, we just talked about it. That's where the Advent believers were waiting on October 22nd, 1844, for Jesus to come. And if, How many of you have been there, but, but just by a show of hands? I've got a few hands. If you've not been there, I want to encourage you guys to check it out. It's a great place to visit in Lowhampton, New York. Beautiful time at this time of year, by the way. If you're up there today, I'm sure it would be gorgeous. But William Miller, and I don't need to remind you of this, but you remember the story of William Miller, right? He studied the Bible verse by verse, and he concluded what? What did he conclude? He was, he concluded, without going into that whole history of it, essentially he concluded that Jesus was coming. First he thought 1843, and then eventually they settled on October 22nd, 1844. Looking at Daniel 8:14, right? And they, of course, there was significance in that verse. The verse was was right, but they had the wrong event, as they later found out, right? But William Miller and those who were following him, the Adventists, were truly thinking that Jesus was going to come. When he didn't come, they were bitterly disappointed. They waited on that rock all day until midnight, and Jesus didn't come. They were bitterly disappointed. Many of them fell away from the faith. William Miller never gave up his faith that Jesus was coming soon. Did you know that? Never gave up his faith. And I want you to look at these words that William Miller said in December, just a few months after the great disappointment. He said, I have fixed my mind on another time. 
And here I mean to stand until God gives me more light. Today, 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 until he comes. Amen? Can we fix our mind on another time? Like William Miller, can we look to that soon coming of Jesus and believe with all our hearts that he is coming soon and work to help hasten that return? Amen? That's who we are as Adventists. This is our heritage. You know that the Seventh-day Adventist Church the believers, even though they were disappointed, a small group of them kept studying, and they, as they studied their Bibles, they discovered the truths of the Sabbath and the state of the dead and the sanctuary, and that became the movement that is today the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And you and I are blessed to be a part of that movement, to take the three angels' messages to the entire world. Now, what is our commission as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, living at the close of time, thinking about what William Miller is saying, that we're going to live looking for that soon return of Jesus, what is the commission that we are given as followers of Christ, as Seventh-day Adventists in 2021? What is it, friends? Amen. We all know this verse, right? The Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is the Great Commission, our charter. This is what our mission is to be, going out into the whole world, baptizing, teaching, preaching. This is what we are called to do. There's another verse in Matthew 24, which is also a Great Commission, and this is what Jesus said. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached, how far? In all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So the gospel must be preached where? Everywhere, Everywhere and then the end will come, right? So, if we are to take the gospel to the world, if that is our calling, friends, to take the gospel to the world in this generation, to take it to every nation on earth. And by the way, that word nations in Greek is ethnos, which actually means every ethnic group. We have a long way to go, by the way. There's a lot of ethnic groups that still haven't heard the gospel. How do we do that? How do we take the gospel to the world? Let me just have some interaction really quick before I get to my more slides. How do we do it, you guys? How do we take the gospel to all the nations? What do you think? Going to the Okay, going to the nations. Amen. Thank you so much, Rob. Amen, amen. Anybody else? Oh, <laughs> he knows how to get brownie points with me here. <laughs> no, you're great. Great answer, great answer. If I had a gift, I'd give you a gift. Amen, amen. That's right, and I'm going to tell you some stories about that. Anybody else? How do we take the gospel to the world? Yes. Powerful. Amen. That's a great... A lot of times we don't think about that, that we can actually reach people here that will go take the gospel back to their native people. Amen. Yes. Becoming friends. Becoming friends. Amen. Amen. Now, how about spiritually? Spiritual preparation for the work that we have to do. Lots of time with God. Amen. What was that? Pray a lot. Amen. That's exactly right. As we, as we think about spiritual preparation... We need to pray. We need to spend time with God because we need what? The power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you guys, 
I'm going to give you today, as we're going through this seminar, four keys to taking the gospel to the world in this generation. Amen? And as we go through these, we're going to hear stories about AWR. But the first key to taking the gospel to the world is just what you guys are saying. We need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. Amen? We need His power. Now, I want to remind you of this verse from Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus was about to go back to heaven, and he tells his disciples this important promise. His disciples at this time were still thinking that, that, that the king, they were still not fully understanding the nature of his kingdom, right? They were thinking that, that maybe Jesus was still going to set up a kingdom on the earth. They were a little slow to learn, right? But Jesus had to show them that his kingdom wasn't a kingdom on the earth. It was a spiritual kingdom, and it was one that was going to be empowered through the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power. He promises the disciples power. GYC Southeast. How many of you believe that power is available to us here in College Dale, Tennessee? Sometimes we think about other places around the world, and you're going to hear some of these stories, you're going to think, wow, but can that happen here? Friends, I believe it can happen here. Why? Because God is still God. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit. I want you to look at these statements with me from Acts of the Apostles really quick. Look at this, friends. The lapse of time has wrought no change in Christ's parting promise to send the Holy Spirit. Amen? It is not because of any restriction on the part of God that the riches of His grace do not flow earthward to men. Is God holding back the Holy Spirit? Or is it because we are maybe not ready for it? Look at what she continues here. If the fulfillment of the promise is not seen as it might be, it is because the promise is not appreciated as it should be. If all were willing, and this is the key, guys. I want you to look at this. If all were willing, all would be what? How many of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen? We can be, by God's grace, friends, as we yield our hearts to Jesus, He can fill us with the Holy Spirit, and we can be His witnesses to the very ends of the earth. I can tell you every story on the, <laughs> that I have on AWR, but ultimately, if it doesn't result in you yourself surrendering your heart more fully to the Lord Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not, you know what I'm saying? We have to be transformed by this, you guys. And today, God is still using His church to make known His purpose in the earth. Today, the heralds of the, of the cross are going from city to city and from land to land, preparing the way for the second advent of Christ. The Spirit of the Almighty is moving upon men's hearts, and those who respond become witnesses for God and His truth. She continues here. In many places, consecrated men and women may be seen communicating to others the light that has made plain to them the way of salvation through Christ. And as they continue to let their light shine, as did those who were baptized with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they receive more and still more of the Spirit's power. And look at here. I love this last line. Re referencing Revelation 18. Thus the earth is to be lightened. 
with the glory of God. My friends, I believe with all my heart that as we live in these last days, we are seeing the gospel going faster than ever before. Ellen White had that vision, right, of the message going as streams of light around the world. We are seeing that in our day, before our very eyes. And by God's grace, as you and I are yielding ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, we can help lighten this world with the glory of God. Amen? Now, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. How, in a practical way, do we live out our Christian life? How do we do this in a practical way? Yes, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us to reach the world for Jesus. How do we do that in a practical way? One of the most practical statements that I know in the spirit of prophecy that tells us the answer to that question is one that you all know. You often think of it in reference to medical missionary work, but actually it really relates to all the work that we do, including media and AWR. I'll show you how, but look at this with me. Christ's method what? Whose method? His method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and what? Won their confidence. Then what? He bade them follow me. I know you guys have seen this statement many times, but we're going to look at this in a few different angles here today. The first one is this. The second sentence here says, the Savior what? What does it mean to mingle? To get to know. Does it, does it also mean that we go where the people are? Right? Uh, as Adventists, we like to kind of congregate together, right? Mercy. Oh, mercy. Woo! Mercy. Collegedale. Happy Valley. This is where I was. Oh, it's a, it is beautiful. It is, it is wonderful. Amen. But salt needs to be spread out, right? We need to go where the people are. We need to go into downtown Chattanooga where there's not that many Adventists. We need to go to the towns and the cities that are dark. Friends, we need to go to the nations that are dark. We need to get out there and mingle with people. But, but let, me, let me, not only in person, but let me also ask you a question. Where are the people today? They're in cities, but are they also on something where, you know, let me look over here really quick because I think I have something that's very, very interesting. I'm not sure if any of you guys have one of these. I wonder if you do. <laughs> do you know that almost every person on the face of the earth has one of these? Now, more on that in a second, but... Think about how Jesus is calling us to use this to reach the world. Hmm? If you think about it, for hundreds of years, probably even for over a thousand years, yeah, definitely over, over a thousand years, what was the fastest way we had to spread the gospel? Word, what was that? Okay, word of mouth. But we didn't have even microphones, right? It was like this, right? We're, today, it was shouting, <laughs> literally. <laughs> And what was the fastest way people could get around? On horseback. Did you ever think about that? For hundreds and hundreds of years, the fastest way people could move was by horseback. By sh the gospel could be shared like that, by shouting or speaking, or by maybe by ship. That was faster, possibly. For a long time. Until 
technology began to advance. Gutenberg invented the movable type. Do you remember that? And did that transform how we tra shared the gospel? Yes, because now they were able to print Bibles and start printing tracts. That printing revolution totally changed the way the gospel was shared. I know I have some literature evangelists here. David's going to say amen. Literally, he did, right on cue, amen. Um, literally, guys, the printing press changed the way we shared the gospel. But, but did we stop at the printing press? Like, like as, as technology advanced, did we just stay, oh, we're just going to stay with this, and, and we're not really going to get into this, because, no, God kept opening up more opportunities as technology advanced. Now, in the last hundred years, I know many, I don't even ask, actually, how old you guys are, because I'm going to feel very old. I'm not going to say anything about David. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just, I'm just picking on you, bro. You? Amen, amen, amen. We remember what it was like back in 2001. Some of these guys weren't even born then. Okay. But seriously, you guys, since I was in college, just looking at how the technology advanced is, is crazy. I remember flip phones. Do you still remember flip phones? Okay, amen. Okay. All right. You remember the bricks, yes. Imagine this. A hundred years ago, it was 1921. Barely, can you, we could barely recognize the technology that we had then versus what we have now. Think of what's changed. Airplanes, electric, you know, the internet, radio, ra all these things. As technology has moved forward, we have used them to advance the gospel. Now, when radio was developed, who was the first Adventist pioneer to really have a vision for radio? Does anybody know? HMS Richards, that's exactly right, the preacher. And he actually started the first syndicated religious broadcast, if I'm getting this right, if I'm getting this wrong, I know Sean Booster will correct me, <laughs> but one of the first, if not the first, one of the first nationally syndicated radio broadcasts, which started in Los Angeles, California, and became known as The Voice of Prophecy. And HMS Richard said, wait a minute, you know, as time went on, he said, what if we used radio to reach into the furthest corners of the earth, the places where we can't send missionaries? And he heard about a technology called shortwave. Shortwave had the ability to literally go halfway around the world to reach in places where we could not send missionaries. And by God's grace, just to summarize, his vision, as he was prodding the leaders of the General Conference, began what is today Adventist World Radio. We broadcast first from Portugal 50 years ago. This is our 50th anniversary. And today we are broadcasting around the world in over 100 languages in over a thousand stations worldwide. FM, AM, digital, and shortwave. And you know what, guys? As technology has increased and expanded, so have we at AWR. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about how that's happening. But first, I want to show you this picture. This is from Guam. These are our shortwave towers in Guam. Do you know that this station reaches over one-third of the world's population? Now, Shortwave as a technology is decreasing, but still people are listening. I'll tell you a story. Afghanistan, you've heard about this in the news, right? Mm -hmm. Afghanistan is a very dangerous place for Christians. We cannot send missionaries there, but shortwave reaches Afghanistan. Just three years ago, we heard the story that there were Taliban, former Taliban families that were contacting Adventists in neighboring countries asking for information about the Adventist church. How did they know about us? 
we found out that they had discovered us on the radio. Entire families were listening to Adventist World Radio in the, in the, in the, in the shelter of their homes. They couldn't do it publicly because the Taliban, if they know you're listening to Christian broadcasts, they will threaten to kill you. We found out that there were over at least 90 believers in the mountains of Afghanistan. And we know, I, I believe it's more because this is just the people we heard about. And guys, I would ask you to pray because we don't know what's happened to them. They're not able to get out. We don't know. We can't send missionaries in there. So pray for these people. But they became Adventists by listening through the shortwave radio. Now, we were never able to send a missionary to baptize them, but by God's grace, they're Adventists, amen? They're there. And so I would encourage you to pray for our, our brothers and sisters there in Afghanistan who have gone through an incredible amount of suffering in the last few months, as we all know. But who knows what, who is listening to this? We don't know. But we know that we have to keep broadcasting, amen, because the gospel needs to go forward in all the world. Now, like I said, a thousand stations in over a hundred languages around the world. But what about social media? What about our phones? Getting back to our phones. Should we be broadcasting on social media? What do you say? Absolutely. Why? That's where the people are. Do you know what the number one website in the world is? It's YouTube. So should we be on YouTube? Absolutely, we should be on YouTube because that's where the people are. Now, some of you might say, well, Jesus didn't have a Facebook. Jesus didn't have Instagram. He didn't have a phone either. I kind of think Jesus might have <coughs> had Facebook, or at least he would have had his disciples get him on. The point being, we need to reach people. Sometimes we run from technology, and you know what? There is a lot of bad stuff on here. We know that, right? We know that the devil has used this in incredibly bad ways, and all of us could probably share testimonies of how we wasted time on these devices, right? Right? Let's be real. I can see it in your faces. I know. <laughs> I know, okay, I know. I delete the app off too sometimes. But you know what? Let's run towards the technology and use it for the gospel. Let's beat the enemy on his own ground because we need to get the people who are there, those young people that are on YouTube. We need to put good content out so that people will discover the gospel. Do you know I met a man who was in Morocco? I hadn't, I hadn't intended to tell this story, but it just came to my mind. Do you know that we only had eight Seventh-day Adventists in, this, in the whole country of Morocco? Native-born. This man, this young man, was in his 20s. He was a Muslim, had no contact with Adventists, but he was feeling, he was feeling uh, empty inside. The Islamic faith had not met the answers to his deepest needs. He wanted more, and so he began to search. And he began to search where? On YouTube. He didn't know the Bible. He was on YouTube. So he was searching, searching, searching. And he began to watch different videos. And he would watch some from the spiritualists. And then he would watch some. He ended up watching some from the Hindus. And then some from the different, different other religions. But eventually, he wound up and he started watching a preacher by the name of Doug Batchelor. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And as he listened to Doug Batchelor, his heart began to be convicted by the truths he was listening to. This young man. And then, it, he, of course, he branched off and started finding other Adventist preachers. He became a Seventh-day Adventist through YouTube. Had never met a missionary. He believed in Ellen White. He believed in the whole nine yards. 
And the first contact he had, he, he finally reached out over Facebook to try to find another Adventist. They thought he was a government spy. So they didn't respond. They were like scared. For many months, they didn't respond. Eventually, they realized this guy was the real deal. And sure enough, today he is baptized. And he is one of the only Seventh-day Adventists in Morocco. I met him myself in Tunisia on a trip to Mena. By the way, Mena is an incredible mission field. You guys know what Mena stands for? Middle East, North Africa, Union. 500, I'm going to get this, I think it's 580 million people, 3,000 Seventh-day Adventists. Some countries, we don't have any. But AWR, we are committed to broadcasting on all these different social media channels. And the Lord did something really special this last year. I'm just going to fly through this, actually. Um, well, time is flying, guys. What's happening? Um, let, okay, actually, let me show you this picture before I get to the thing I was just going to say. All right. This is for actually from India. Sikkim. Has anybody heard of Sikkim? You have? Wow. This is like some of the first people in the audience ever that knew of Sikkim. Have you been there? No, we're Jesus for Asia. Oh, amen. Amen. For Jesus for Asia. Amen. I'm glad Jesus for Asia knows where Sikkim is. Guys, it's a beautiful part of the world. Do you know that every vegetable that's grown there is organic? That's why it says, welcome to organic Sikkim. It's pretty cool, right? But it's very remote. Do you know that I had better cell phone reception, though, in Sikkim than I do at the General Conference? <laughs> I'm not joking. And so, long story short, we were in Sikkim because my friend Tim Saxton, who is now the new Asia-Pacific director for Adventist World Radio, he had, through a providential series of events, started Bible studies with these young adults who were in Sikkim. Guess how? Over Facebook. Never met them before, but they started Bible studies over Facebook Messenger. And so, we went to this beautiful mountain village and met these individuals. And these four, this one, this one, this one, and this one, were the first Adventists baptized in that part of India. Amen? This part, there were other Adventists in Sikkim, but in this part of Sikkim, the first baptism, and this actually is a picture here of the baptism. We usually shouldn't take pictures in India of baptizing, but there we were. And these are the four. Isn't that a great picture? I just love this. And by God's grace, we are going to have the first Adventist church. They're already meeting there in the town where these four are from, and we are starting work there in Namchi, which is a town there in Sikkim. Amen? God worked, and he did it through Facebook. Incredible. I could tell you so many stories. Now, this last year during the pandemic, Adventist World Radio was confronted with a challenge. Normally, we go out and we help our stations. We travel. We were planning to do big evangelistic meetings in Papua New Guinea, but all that got canceled, like everything else in 2020. And so we were sitting there and we were thinking and praying all at, at our individual homes, right, <laughs> over Zoom. And we were thinking, what can we do? And the Lord convicted us we had to do something on YouTube to take the gospel to a, a world that was in need. And so one of our vice presidents, Cami Utman, I don't know if you know Cami, she had a burden to preach an evangelistic series on YouTube. Now, Cami was not a trained preacher. I mean, she's, she's a good speaker, but she's not like a trained preacher, but she was convicted that God had called her to do this. And so let me tell you guys, and this is what I want, I hope you catch this. If God has called you to do something, you may not feel equipped, but if you are willing, God can use you in ways you couldn't even imagine. Remember the promise of Ephesians 3.20, our God is able to do exceedingly, 
abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. Amen? And so Cammie, from her living room, from her couch, <laughs> standing in front of her couch, she recorded these sermons. And you guys, it's incredible what God did. Do you know that now, a year later, some of those sermons have over 500,000 views. Collectively, over 11 million views around the world. And the Lord has done incredible things. When Cammie did this, we had, um, we started off in English, but then as we branched out and went to more countries, we wanted to do it in more languages. And now it is in over 40 languages around the world. We started getting stories back of what God was doing. I'm going to tell you one of them uh, really quick. Uh, if I can get my phone open, we had an incredible story that came in from the state of Florida. You know, sometimes we think that stories only happen overseas, right? But they, in fact, happen even here in the United States. I want to share with you this story, a story of Corey. So he found one of the sermons on YouTube, and he started watching it. Now, Corey had been addicted to marijuana for 50 years, 50 years. He sends us this message on July 3, and, and I have this picture up here, Center for Digital Evangelism, because I want you to understand that when we broadcast on YouTube or on social media, it's not just broadcasting. We have to lead people to Christ, right? That's why our motto for AWR is broadcast to baptism, because it's not just about broadcasting. And so as Corey is watching on YouTube, he's beginning to be convicted by what he's hearing. And so he sends a message that goes to one of our Center for Digital Evangelism missionaries. And this is what he says. I've gone 50 years and probably only been to church 10 times in my life. I've always believed that God was there, but I've had a very on and off relationship with him. But now as I watch Cammy, I see the prophecies of the Bible are coming to pass. I have smoked pot since I was eight years old. But now, after watching these messages, and since then, and giving my heart to Jesus, I haven't craved it anymore. In fact, I threw away everything. I feel like I've only been living half my life, but now, as I'm typing, tears are running down my face. I hope it's not too late. Please pray for my three children and me. I only hope I can show them the light. Corey kept watching and kept interacting with our digital missionaries. They studied the Bible with him over... over um, I think Facebook Messenger. And over the next several weeks, as Corey studied the Bible, as he watched Unlocking Bible Prophecies, he was convicted that he needed to be baptized. There was one problem. It was right at the height of COVID. All the churches were closed. So our missionaries, though, were able to contact one of the pastors in Florida, and they were able to get him into a church. And by God's grace, on July 18, 2020, Corey was baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen? This is what he said. He sent us a message after his baptism. He said, Thank you, AWR, and Unlocking Bible Prophecies. I love sharing my newfound life with Jesus. You help me find it. Tell your team and Cami that you changed my life, and I will be forever grateful. You guys, I share that story just as an illustration to show you again that there are people out there who are really searching, right? And, and, and if they're out there, we need to do everything we can to reach them. We need to put content out on YouTube. And by the way, it's not just AWR that is called to do this. I believe all of us can have a part. We need more Adventist YouTubers, amen? We need more Adventist um, content out on the social media channels. 
And so, you guys, let's pray for this. Let's pray that God would expand our presence in all these places around the world. And please pray for Adventist World Radio. Now, this, I think, is a, yes, this is a picture of some of our student missionaries, one of whom I believe, I don't know her name, I think she's right here at Southern, was helping out with our evangelistic efforts this past year. Praise God. Now, I have to tell you this story. South America, an evangelical church, not Adventist, found out about unlocking Bible prophecies when we translated into Spanish. Amen. And this evangelical church, they could not meet inside their church, but the pastor liked the messages so much that he decided he was going to get a projector and broadcast it on the side of a truck. And so the whole church came outside and watched the messages on the side of a truck. The whole church is now Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> In the Philippines, so many people were watching UVP, Unlocking Bible Prophecies, that we, and they couldn't have baptisms in the churches, so you know what they did? They improvised. They took big dump trucks that had big, huge, you know, bins in the back, and they lined it with plastic, filled it with water, and that became the baptistry. <laughs> Amen? This is what we call COVID um, uh, modification of a baptistry. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Friends, we need to meet the people where they are. We need to reach them through radio, through technology, through social media, every avenue possible. Amen? All of us need to be a part of this. AWR is doing our part. All of you can do your part too. By the way, before I get off this, I just want to, and then I know it's about time to take a break. Or if you don't want to take a break, we can just keep rolling. It's up to you. But if you go to your app store, if you have your phone, could you just do this with me really quick? I want to, I want to, do this with you so that you can all become digital. How many of you would like to be a digital missionary? Anybody? Okay. And you might say, well, Pastor Kyle, it is, I'm intimidated to be a digital missionary. I know. I am too. I'm not the most technologically, uh, I mean, guys, come on, I had a flip phone, okay? Um, <laughs> go to your app store, and what I want you to do is, I want you, first thing I want you to do is type in, in the search, AWR, Okay. So type in AWR, click search, and you will see an app called AWR 360. Do you see that one? Now I'm not, you don't have, if you can, if you want to download it, go ahead and download that app. That is our main Adventist World Radio app, okay, that has all of our stories, all of our content, everything there on that app. That way you want to share the stories or go back and listen to some stuff, you can find it all here. By the way, very soon we are starting, and I'm super excited to announce this, we are starting the first ever international English 24-7 Adventist radio station. Amen? So you can go on your app anytime and listen to Adventist radio wherever you are. Won't that be cool? On this app, right? It's going to be on this app and online. So literally, we're, gonna, we're partnering with Amazing Facts. It is, we're going to have content from all of our major speakers. So if you want to listen to Adventist radio anytime, day or night, you just go to the app, Click on Listen Now, and you'll have our station that's going to be coming to you live. When do you think they'll be available? It's going to be, we're hoping soon. We're, going to, we're hoping soon. The next, we, I can't give you a date, but it's hoping, hopefully soon. But I'm really excited because a lot of places don't have access to actual radio, but soon you're going to have access all around the world. So I want you to also do one more thing for me. Go back to your search and type in Digital Missionary. Okay digital missionary. 
Now, if you see an app with two praying hands like this, two blue praying hands and the circle around it, that's our AWR uh, little symbol there. Do you see that on your app store if you have one? Okay, that is our digital missionary app. And I would encourage you to download that now before you forget. And when you download it, I'm not going to take time to tell you what to do. I know you're all savvy enough to figure it out. Go through this app, and I would encourage you and invite you to sign up to be a digital missionary. It doesn't take much time. All, you can actually adjust the amount of time that you give. But what we are looking for are digital missionaries, and you can be here at Southern, you can be anywhere. We have prayer requests, Bible questions that come in from around the world, and we need people to help answer those prayer requests. Amen? Just like, remember I shared with you that Corey was prayed with over the internet by somebody, and it led him to baptism? Imagine if you, from your dorm room, can help lead somebody to baptism who's in the other side of the world. Can you imagine? Isn't that cool? Now, imagine if we had an army of these digital missionaries around the world, David, speaking all different languages. Imagine the impact that we could have. Isn't that incredible? So I'd encourage you, download the app, go through the, the, the promptings, and basically what you can do is decide how much, like if you just say, I only can answer one request a week. That's okay, five minutes a week, not much. But you can be a part of our army of missionaries that will help reach people around the world. Exciting? What do you guys think? And we're still, now this is still kind of in beta, but we're working it out. We hope that soon we'll get more and more people involved and we'll be able to help more people around the world. All right. Do you guys want a break? It's time for a break. It's up to you. Everybody's like, uh, I don't know. I'll just keep rolling. How's that? Because we're running a little late at the beginning. If you need to go out and use the bathroom, you can do that, no problem. Is that okay with everybody? Okay. I'm just going to keep rolling so I get through everything. But if you need to go out, I won't be offended. If you want to go see Alan Parker and know how to have a better girlfriend or boyfriend relationship, that's cool too. Amen? What's that? <laughs> I'm going to take my jacket off. Oh, how to get married. Amen. Okay. Well, hey, Dr. Parker has excellent stuff, let me tell you. Excellent stuff. Guys, the second key that we saw, so number one, power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we need to follow Christ's method. As we looked at that statement from Ministry of Healing 143, we saw that the first thing here, the Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He went where the people were. What's the second thing here that it says, friends? He showed his what? Sympathy for them, ministered to their, and then he bade them follow me. Now, we can broadcast the gospel around the world, and that's good. We can send God pods and have Bible studies over Facebook, that's good. But when Jesus was on this earth, what did he spend the majority of his time doing? Hmm? Healing people. He ministered to their needs, right? So Adventist World Radio, we actually said, our president, Dwayne McKee, who's a very visionary evangelistic guy, he said, you know what? We've been broadcasting for a long time, but we need to combine our broadcasting with medical missionary work. Because it's not just about preaching. It's the full gospel. That's the blessing that we have as Seventh-day Adventists. We've been given this way to reach the world, right? Well, actually, it's not unique. It's how Jesus was. That's what Jesus did. And so... AWR, we said, wherever we go, we're going to start doing medical missionary work. And you guys, God blessed in tremendous ways. 
How many, of you, how many of you have heard of Your Best Pathway to Health? Anybody heard of Your Best Pathway? Okay, we've got quite a few. I was blessed to be involved in Your Best Pathway to Health from the beginning. I went to the first one in San Francisco and Oakland in 2014 and got involved and have been to everyone since. It's been a huge blessing. By the way, for those of you who don't know, it's a mobile hospital that goes into cities, sets up, and for three days ministers to people's needs. Doctors, nurses, dentists, eye care professionals, even haircuts and free clothing to meet people's needs, to show them the practical love of Jesus, and then invite them to follow him. Amen? It's beautiful. It's amazing. So at AWR, we said, why don't we take this around the world? We first did this in the Philippines a few years ago in Palawan in the Philippines. Anybody been to the Philippines? It's a beautiful country. Amen. And we were there in the Colosseum in Palawan, Puerto Princesa. We had eight thousand that came to this um, clinic, dental, eye, and, and uh, medical clinic, and you guys, the Lord bless in tremendous ways, bless in tremendous ways. In fact, I actually have my slides a little out of order here, but I'm going to take you to this picture here. This is a gentleman who came to that clinic. His name was June. Do you know he was a cripple, had never had a wheelchair his entire life, had never been able to really work much, but he heard about it on the radio he was brought to the clinic, and for the first time in his life, a doctor who was there at the clinic offered to get him a wheelchair. And because of the love that he saw at that clinic, he came to our evangelistic meetings that happened right after that clinic. And by God's grace, June and his whole family were baptized in the ocean. They carried him down. Amen? They carried him down from his wheelchair and baptized him there in Palawan beautiful testimony of how medical work, broadcasting, and preaching goes together. Now, just as a side note, we had young people who were preaching. These were not trained preachers. These were Australians. Actually, not all of them. Some, a couple from California here. Some of you might know some of those faces. These were, they were young adults who were just willing to be used by God. How many of you believe that young people can preach? Amen. How many of you have preached a series? Okay, 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 amen. By the way, I want to challenge all of you. If you ever get the opportunity to speak and to preach an evangelistic series, take it. Amen? I'm a pastor. I still need to do that. Just last month, I was in Houston and preached an evangelistic series for the first time in three years. Guys, it was life transforming, let me tell you. Life transforming. But these young adults were in Palawan after that clinic. So we had the broadcasting, then we had the clinic, and then we had these guys preaching. An incredible testimony, actually. One of these young men, he came. We didn't realize it. He had just been associated with the church. He didn't know he was coming to preach. He thought he was coming on a trip. He got there, and they told him, oh, by the way, you're preaching. He said, what? He said, yeah, you're preaching. He said, uh, I'm not really, I don't really believe in this Adventist stuff. I'm like, well, you're on, a pre you're on a preaching trip. You're going to preach. <sighs> well wisely our coordinator told him why don't you just get up there and read the sermon just read it you may not believe it but just read it <sighs> he was a little reluctant but that's what he did so he got up and he read the first sermon then he read the second sermon now you know in an evangelistic series the first few sermons are kind of you know gospel you know daniel 2 stuff like that but then when he got to the sabbath he told our person he told our coordinator he said i don't believe really in the sabbath he said just read it he got up. This is a true story, you guys. 
He read the sermon that night on the Sabbath. When he came back to the hotel, he told our coordinator, she, she saw that he was clearly moved. He said, you know, as I was reading this sermon, I began to be convicted that there was something about what I was saying. I think this may be true. <laughs> Do you know that that young man preached the entire series? People were baptized out of his meeting, and he became a Seventh-day Adventist as a result. <laughs> Amen. Amen? Preaching changes us. Amen? And God can use anybody if they're just willing. So can God use you? Amen. Praise the Lord. 500 were baptized there in Palawan. Praise God. Now, exciting. Um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going to actually, yeah, I'm trying to think of how to do this. All right. So another story out of the Philippines that illustrates the power of medical missionary work combined with gospel evangelism, combined with radio. The island of Mindoro, which is just close there to Manila, this island has communist rebels that live in the mountains. New People's Army. These rebels have been there for over 30 years in the mountains fighting against the Philippine military. These rebels and the military have been at war for so long, over 30,000 people have died as a result of the constant warfare. They live in the mountains. They're kind of like gorillas. You know, they go down and they shoot and the army shoots back. Very, 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 very rough culture. A few years ago, Adventist World Radio started broadcasting on the island of Mindoro. We started broadcasting in just a few places, and then we had an evangelistic series of Japanese pastors who came and preached for the first time, for, for many of them, some of the first evangelistic meetings that they've ever preached, because in Japan they've struggled with evangelism. But these guys came to Mindoro, preached evangelistic meetings, and it caused a revival in their own hearts. Amen. They went back to Japan and started evangelism in Japan. Praise God. But in Mindoro, as a result, the Holy Spirit was moving. More radio stations started to be established. And the gospel began to be broadcast into these mountain areas. All across Mindoro, we started getting phone calls from people. Entire villages were wanting to become Seventh-day Adventist. Do you know that to date, and I'm getting ahead of myself, over 10,000 people have been baptized in Mindoro as a result of those broadcasts. But not only people in like regular villages, the people in the mountains, the, the communist rebels began listening to the radio. One of our pastors, a couple of years ago, he was at his house, and as he was there at his house, he noticed these gentlemen coming, and they were, he knew what the communists looked like, and they were coming to his house, and he was scared, because I mean, these are killers. Right? They're known for being assassins. And so he's scared for his family. He's saying, what do I do? And he's wondering what they're going to say. They approach him, and they say, excuse me, sir, are you the Adventist pastor? Yes, I am. Are you in charge of these broadcasts that we've been hearing in our villages? Yes, I am. We want to know how we can become Adventist. We want to know about Jesus. We want to be baptized incredible, you guys. Over the next two years, and this is just, again, in the last two or three years, more and more of these communist um, villages have turned to the gospel. We sent medical missionaries up into the mountains, eight hours trek by foot, eight hours, 
and they held a clinic, kind of like we did there in Palawan, but a much smaller one there in the mountains. And the people were so moved by the love that they saw that they just gave their hearts to the Lord. And entire villages up there were baptized, you guys. Not only that, but since that time, the leaders of the rebels, five generals, have given their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and have been baptized. And it gets even better. Get this. This is just this past year. Those generals of the communist uh, groups there, you know, when you give your heart to Jesus, it not only changes you spiritually, it begins to change everything about your life, right? So if I'm a communist rebel and I'm toting around an AK-47 and listening to the gospel, I'm not going to be toting around that AK-47 too long, am I? Pretty soon they realized that they needed to change their lives. They wanted to lay down their guns and pick up the Bible. And they approached AWR and they said, you know what? This is just from May of this year. This is just a few months ago. They said, we want to surrender. We want to surrender. Can you help negotiate with the Philippine government a surrender? By God's grace, just a few months ago, we set a date. And the, at this time, we coordinated with the Philippine government. The government officials were going to be there. The Philippine military was going to be there. And they were guaranteed uh, amnesty to come down. And they, were all, they would all come to this church and spend a week together going through classes, uh, going through reconciliation meetings, and then in the evenings, we'd have evangelistic meetings. They set a time, and on that very day, the rebels started coming out of the mountains, you guys. This is just a few months ago. And by God's grace, I'm going to show you, I should have been showing this video, I'm sorry. This is a video of those meetings. Isn't that cool? So here they are in the church. Um, and you'll just see some images here. This is and their families. They came down. They spent a week together. And you know, AWR said, "We want to help you. We want to help you restart life." And so, we offered each family five hundred dollar loan to start a business, to start a new life outside of being in the mountains, right in the communist groups. And the government said, you know what? If AWR is going to do that, we're going to match you. We're going to give each family an acre of land. And so every family now had an opportunity to start over. And by God's grace, there they are coming to the church. These <laughs> former rebels are now Seventh-day Adventists. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Praise God. And you see there Philippine military officials coming in with the former rebels, reconciling, signing peace treaties, Guys, this is the power of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Changes hearts. And I'm here to tell you, now we don't know if we're going to go because it's still COVID and our visas aren't quite set. But in two weeks, I'm supposed to go with a group from the General Conference and Elder Wilson himself is going to baptize the head of the communist rebels in all of Mindoro and not only him, but the head of the Philippine military in the region. They're going to be baptized at the same time. Amen. Amen? God is working in tremendous ways. And tears were shed as reconciliation took place. That's the power of the gospel, you guys. It's a beautiful picture of what God can do. Amen.
<laughs> there they are signing the uh, peace treaty. You can see it there. <coughs> He's the governor of Mindoro signing the peace accords. And, and oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, you know what the Philippine military said to the Adventist church? They said, you know what? Would you guys be willing to partner with us all over the Philippines to bring communist rebels to Christ? Do you know what? The next stop is the, is the um, island of Mindanao, which is in the south. Now, Mindanao is a much more difficult place because there's a lot of strong Muslim uh, majority there. But by God's grace, we are going to try to do more broadcasting in Mindanao. Amen? Amen. Jesus can do it. Praise God. Praise God. All right. We're moving. We're moving. Number one, how do we reach the gospel of the world? We need, how do we take the gospel to the world? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we need to follow Christ's method. And of course, we talked about how that means meeting people where they are. And it also means reaching people's physical needs, right? Medical missionary work. And by the way, medical work and the gospel must always go together because that's how Jesus did it. Amen? Thirdly, how do we take the gospel to the world? We need to recognize that each one of us is what? Called. Total member involvement. I used to have some church, I was a pastor in California, and I used to have some church members who would tell me, Pastor, I just don't feel like I really have what it takes. I can't really give a Bible study, I don't really feel very talented. I understand. I understand. It can be hard to think about how you can use your gifts and talents for the Lord Jesus. But you know what? I believe with all my heart that each one of you is just as called as I am to take the gospel to the world. Amen? I may be a pastor, you may be a nurse or a teacher or a business person, but all of us are called. All of you are called. Do you catch that? Amen? Daniel Ramley, who worked with me at Mentone. Amen? Amen. We are all called to be a part of this work. Now, in the country of Papua New Guinea, how many of you know about Papua New Guinea? Have you guys been there? No. Oh, okay. Papua New Guinea, last year, we were supposed to go there. You remember I, I shared, we were supposed to do evangelistic meetings. Elder Wilson was going to preach. We were going to have meetings all over Papua New Guinea. Do you know what their baptismal goal was? Okay, now she just overshot it big time. <laughs> <laughs> you just ruined it. No, I'm just kidding. It's okay. No, that would be awesome. How many members are in the Georgia Cumberland Conference? That's where we are right now. Anybody know? 40,000? All right. Probably about 40,000, something like that. Do you know what their baptismal goal was in PNG for one year? 100,000. And do you know that they told us we know we can reach this goal because we already have 50,000 people in Bible studies? We said, what? You've got to be kidding. So we were planning to have these meetings, you guys. But of course, March 2020. March 2020, have mercy. Have mercy. <laughs> Pandemic hit. And like everything else, whew, canceled, canceled. But did it cancel PNG? They were still committed to their goal of 100,000 people. And you know, this is the thing, you guys. The good thing is that it wasn't depending on us coming and preaching. Amen? What was it depending on? It was depending on their members recognizing that each one of them had their part to play. Their motto is on their shirts. It's called soul winning is somebody else's business. No. Soul winning is whose business? It's my business. They have this mentality that each member has a part to play in winning souls for Christ. And so when you go there, and I preach in their churches, 
the members are just on fire. They want to do so every Sabbath. They want to be out reaching people and, and sharing the gospel. It's a, it's, it's a different mindset, you guys. Now, do you think we can have that mindset here? I believe we can. Why don't we? Well, it's probably because we're rich and increased in goods, right? Over there, they're struggling more. There's more of a need, and they have more of a fire to get the gospel out. And so, friends, when we go to PNG, we see this, and do you know that even though we didn't go there, I went there on a planning trip. I didn't go back again. I don't know the final numbers, but they had, even without our evangelistic meetings, they still had over 50,000 baptisms last year. Isn't that incredible? Here's a picture of some of the people from PNG. This is a picture from last September. This is just 2,000 of those baptismal candidates in one province alone. Amen? God moved, and he's still moving in an incredible way there in Papua New Guinea. I would encourage you to pray for those precious people. Pray for the ones that are especially in those areas that are, by the way, you can't drive to most of those cities. You have to fly because there are no roads to connect cities in Papua New Guinea, pretty much. You have to fly. So pray for the work in PNG. But what I wanted you to catch is that the reason they were able to reach so many people is because all their members understood total member involvement. They took it on themselves. They realized that God had called them to be a part of the mission. You guys know this text, one of my favorites, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Say it with me, please. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? How many of you believe that you are part of that chosen generation? You know, God, God knows everything about you. He knows everything about your history. He knows every, every, everything about you. And he has called you for such a time as this to take the gospel to the world. He has called you. You are chosen. I, I tell you, you guys, it's incredible when you think about the opportunities that each one of us has. One person can change the world. Do you believe that? I know it sounds idealistic. But we're young people. We're supposed to be idealistic. Amen? <laughs> Guys, I want you, don't ever forget that. Look at this statement here from the Spirit of Prophecy. The work of God in this earth can... Now, if I stopped it, if I covered this up, that would be kind of discouraging, right? If it ended there, but notice how she continues. It can never be finished until, right, the men and women comprising our church membership, what? Rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and church officers. So when is the work going to be finished? When the pastors finish it? Oh, have mercy. Praise the Lord. If it depended on the pastors, we'd be in trouble. No, you guys. It's all of us. It's all of us. All of us have to take up the role that God has given to us to finish the work. And this is why, you know, I was involved with ASI. Some of you know about ASI, Adventist Layman Services and Industries. I believe ASI is so important because it reminds us that every one of us, as business people, as professionals, as doctors, as, as anything we may be, all of us is just as much called as the professional clergy. We're all in the same mission. None of us should think that we're not called, you guys. I want you to look at this statement from a man we talked about earlier, HMS Richards, he said, the work will never be finished until all the preachers are put in jail. 
Now, I don't really want to go to jail. <laughs> um, but do you understand what he's saying? So often we depend on the pastors to finish the work. But God wants us to do our part. Amen. And this is GYC. Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command, you shall speak. Amen. All right. Actually, you know what happened? I had this divided into two presentations, so now I'm going to go to presentation two. Give me just one second. Because we have an exciting story here to tell you. All right. I want to take you to Africa. I want to take you to a very, very exciting story here from Africa. And this is the story of Mama Sisset. Come, to, come with me to Madagascar. Have any of you been to Madagascar? Anybody? Okay, no one's been to Madagascar. I haven't either. So we're all, okay. It is a diverse land with many people and many cultures. Amen? Come with me to the city of Tomasina in Madagascar. And I want you to meet a lady by the name of Bobby Soa. Bobby Soa. People call her by the name, though, of Mama Sisset. Mama Sisset. Her husband is a retired sea captain. She loves spending time with her grandchildren and her children. They were active members of a Sunday church, but there were some problems in the church, and so they stopped attending. One morning, Mama Sisset's husband started listening to the... Oh, how did you guess? He heard the preacher on the radio talking about the Sabbath. He was a little confused, but he continued listening. The speaker said he would present the message again that night. He went and found his wife, and they began to listen together. They were convicted by the words they heard. They began searching for a church that kept the Bible Sabbath. They would walk from village to village, asking if anybody knew of a church that kept the Seventh-day Sabbath. Always the answer came back, no, we don't know of a church that keeps the Sabbath. Finally, someone suggested they go to the city of Tomasina. I'm behind in my pictures. There he is listening to the radio. There they are walking. 45 miles from their home. How far, everyone? In desperation, they set out on foot. Days of walking, after days of walking, they found a Sabbath-keeping church in Tomasina, the Seventh-day Adventist church, and they attended church on Sabbath for the first time. Could you imagine how sweet that must have been after walking for 45 miles? 45 miles. <coughs> the pastor then told them there was actually a church much closer to them. <laughs> closer, though, in Madagascar meant over a mountain range. So it was still very hard. So after making the trip several times, they decided to start a church in their own village. They didn't know many Adventist songs. They didn't even know how to conduct a worship service, but they did their best and eventually they started to reach people in their village. Not long after, an Adventist pastor came and began studying with more of them, strengthened their belief, and baptized several of the people in that village. This is what she said. I don't have much education, and I can't read the Bible well, but I was impressed that my talent was prayer. This I could do for others and teach them how to pray. She has since seen God work through her prayers, and miracles have happened. The sick have been healed, and many have come to Christ. Now, not only do they have one church in that town, they have three. Amen? Because of Mama Sisset and her husband's faithful efforts there in their village. God has worked in a powerful way in Madagascar. Now, 
another story. This is one of my favorites. Come with me to Tanzania. How many of you have been to Tanzania? Okay, I've been, okay. Rachel's been, I've been to Tanzania. It's a beautiful country. I encourage you to go. It's beautiful. In Tanzania, there was a pastor who was preaching one day about how all of his members needed to be involved in evangelism. And as he was preaching, there was a lady in his congregation, and she sat there listening to the sermon, and she had actually been praying that God would help her to use her talents and gifts to share the gospel with others, but she didn't know how to do it. And then she hears her pastor give this message, and her heart is really stirred. She's convicted that she needs to do something. But she doesn't have much. But as she's thinking about it after the sermon, have you ever had a sermon like that where you start getting convicted about what you heard? Amen? She goes home and she's thinking, and she realizes that she does have two things. One thing that she has is a garden. It's in the middle of town. She goes there every day, and she, she works on her vegetables. She has a nice garden. And the second thing she has, do you want to guess what that might be? Okay. Good guess. This is a media seminar, you guys. Yes, good job. Adventist World Radio. She has a radio. And so her name was Mama Miembe. Okay, Mama Sisset, Mama Miembe. Okay, so Mama Miembe. And there she is. She says, wait, what if I go to my garden? And as I'm hoeing my vegetables, I can put my radio in the garden. I can turn it up loud. Maybe somebody will listen. Well, the next day she goes to her garden, puts the radio, turns it up loud. The sermon is blaring and she's hoeing her vegetables. Well, little does Mama Miembe know. And there it is. There she is. Radio in the garden, right? Little does she know that close to the garden is a shack. This shack is actually a bar. Okay? These good-for-nothing guys come and drink their day away in the bar. Right? Should be working, but they're drinking. They're sitting in there. All of a sudden, they hear something they haven't heard before in the bar. They hear this preacher on the radio. They're like, what is this? And they go over, and they're listening, and they all come to the side, and they're listening like, what is it, what is it? And pretty soon, all these guys in the bar are listening to the sermon from Mama Miembe's garden. And they're there just, you know, drinking and listening to the sermon. And um, <laughs> the next day they come back. Sure enough, Mama Miembe is in the garden again. She's playing the sermon again. They, come, they realize that every time she comes, she's going to have that radio. Well, this happens. This goes on for a little while. Eventually, the owner of the bar, he says, you know what? Forget this. This is too hard. We can, it's hard for us to hear. We're getting our own radio. <laughs> so sure enough, the owner of the bar got his own radio puts it in the bar, and there they are, drinking and listening to the gospel. <laughs> now, friends, you can't read the Bible, listen to AWR, and drink all at the same time for very long, right? <laughs> Eventually, you've got to give up one of them, right? Which one do you think they gave up? Friends, I'm here to tell you today, every single one of those men gave up their drinking. They came to the bar not to drink anymore, but to read and listen to the Word of God. And I'm telling you, God's grace is powerful, friends. Amen? Amen. And now, every one of those men is a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen. Not only that, but the bar owner said, you know what? For too long, this bar has been used for bad purposes. Now, I have decided 
this bar is going to be a church. <laughs> and so now the bar has become a church. And it's all because Mama Miembe used what little she had and dedicated it to the Lord Jesus. Her garden and her radio. Could she have ever imagined that her little effort would result in a church being planted? Friends, if Mama Miembe can do it, can you do it? Use what God has put in your hands and God will bless it beyond what your imagination, what you, could, what you could even imagine. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Friends, God is able to do it because it is his power, not ours. Amen? Amen? And now the bar that, the church that was a bar is still meeting there in Tanzania. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, now I'm going to take you to another country in Africa, Zambia. Which country, everyone? Zambia. In 2018, we went to Zambia to Lusaka. And we were in the city of Lusaka. Anybody been there? Okay, I, you guys have been a lot of places. All right. <laughs> in Lusaka, we were going to have 2,000 evangelistic meetings across the city, some of the most they've ever had. And they actually told us this was going to be in June of 2018, which is actually, believe it or not, kind of the coldish time in Africa, in Southern Africa. And they said, ah, we don't think they're going to have many people come out because it's June. We said, you know what? We're going to broadcast, we're going to pray, and we're going to see what God will do. So we brought a team of evangelists, and they had local pastors and elders who were agreeing to preach. And the, the gospel was being broadcast on the radio, and the preachers were going to come. And so all of us came in June 2018, including this couple, Micah and Mira, from Europe. Now, Michael was the preacher. I mean, he's not a preacher. He's a, actually a businessman. But he was the one who had signed up to preach. He works with ASI Europe. His wife did not like getting up in front of people. She was very shy. She was very proper. You know, she's always put together. She was not interested in being up front. She was a wonderful lady, but wasn't really wanting to be up front. Well, when you go on a mission trip, there's three words that you need to remember always. You know what those words are? Oh, Jesus for Asia. What are those words? Yes, I will. Oh, yes, I will. That's, those are also good words. <laughs> I was thinking the three words that are actually the same. Flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. flexibility. <laughs> One of our preachers canceled because he had to go home. Guess who was the only one we could turn to? It was Mira. And we said, Mira, would you be willing to preach? She's like, uh, uh, I didn't come here to preach. We said, Mira, we need you. She said, well, let me pray about it. So she went back and she prayed. The Lord convicted her that she needed to preach. So for the first time in her life, she gets up and she preaches in a, a sermon, not just any sermon, for the first time she preaches an evangelistic sermon. And so Mira is preaching. And um, here's a picture of her preaching. But after a few days, she goes back to the hotel, and one night she's in the hotel, and her and Michael are there, and Michael had already fallen asleep, and she had fallen asleep, she was barely falling asleep, and as she tells this story, I heard her, I was there, so I actually heard this story myself from her. She had a dream, and in the dream, this being had come to her and told her to go home. She was not worthy to preach the gospel of Jesus. She needed to go home because what was she going to do to anybody? Help, how could she help anybody? Go home, this voice said in her dream, and she woke up, and she was in a cold sweat. And as she woke up, no joke, the television in the hotel room started to blink on and off. And she woke up her husband, Michael, and she felt this 
oppressive evil presence. And she said, Michael, we have to pray. I'm getting tormented. This, this voice is telling me to go home, to stop preaching. And so they, what did they do? They got on their knees and they started reading the Bible. Amen? By the way, if, you're, if something like that ever happens, you've got to turn to the Word of God. God is more powerful than any evil spirit. Amen? Amen. Always more powerful. Jesus said, "Do not be. Uh, I have overcome the world. Right? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus can overcome any evil spirit. And so as they prayed, they prayed and they prayed for several hours that night. Mira was very troubled, but eventually she said, no, I have come here. God has called me. I am going to preach this message. And the Lord gave her incredible peace. And as they prayed together, she was convicted that she must continue preaching. And you know what, you guys? Mira, who had never preached a sermon in her life, over 60 people were baptized from her sight. Amen? Praise God. Like I said to you before, all you need is a willing heart, right? You may not have, you may not think you have what it takes, but God can use you if you're willing to say yes. If you're willing to say yes and to go. Do you know how many people were baptized as a result of those meetings, including Miras? No. <laughs> she keeps overshooting me. 18,000 people, amen? And let me tell you guys, I was standing in that pool right about, I'm not in this picture, but later, I was right about here, and it was freezing cold water, and we were in that pool for two and a half hours, David. Two and a half hours, baptizing one after the other after the other. I mean, I was so exhausted, and I was cold, but it was, I was so happy. <laughs> it was incredible. And you know, all these people that were streaming in, there was so much mud in the, uh, you know, there was just mud everywhere, because people were coming out, having been baptized, and there was mud, and your feet were muddy. All this mud was coming into the pool, right, as people were walking in. <laughs> You see how nice and clean it is there? By the end, the pool was so muddy. It had turned like dark brown. It was so muddy from all the people walking in. And we were, all the people were saying, you know, this is like what it is like. We are leaving our sins in this pool and rising to new life in Christ. 18,000 people baptized that day, you guys. It was incredible. I'm going to show you a quick video now of a young lady, 15 years old. How old? 15. God, God also called her to preach there in Lusaka. that did you see that that video dorette she was 15 god used her to preach there in zambia friends i want to challenge you again today god can use you if you are willing to say yes amen if you are willing to say yes so how do we take the gospels of the world first key power of the holy spirit amen we need to be empowered by the holy spirit again if all are willing all will be filled amen number two we need to follow christ's method we need to meet the people where they are. We need to meet them through technology, through social media, through their phones. We need to meet the people and follow his method. We also need to minister to their needs as Jesus did, to use medical missionary work to reach the people. The third point here, friends, is that we need to recognize that each one of us is called. Amen? Amen. 
We are all called to be a part of this total member involvement movement to reach the world. And the fourth key, be willing to go wherever he leads. The theme of this GYC is, what is it? It's I will go, right? So, I just forgot. It's Isaiah 6-8. That's the theme of our entire GYC Southeast Conference. To be willing to go wherever God leads. Matthew 16-25 says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Now, as we are moving towards the close of our seminar, I have two stories I'm going to share with you. Two stories of two individuals that God used in a powerful way who said, Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you send me, even if it means risking my life. Have any of you heard of a little town called Nazareth? You've been there? It's pretty, right? The mountains is pretty. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Somebody that I know came from Nazareth. I'm trying to think of who. Nazareth. Friends, we have a, there's a man in Nazareth whose name is Wiesam. Some of you have heard this story. Okay. Now, I'm going to show you actually a video because it's a little better than me telling it. But I'll just give you the background, first of all. Wiesam came from a Muslim family, okay? A very um, devout Muslim family. In fact, so much so that if anybody ever converted to Christianity, it was death, stoning. His sister became a Christian through a series of events. Too long to tell how that happened. But his sister providentially became a Christian and went to an Adventist school in in Austria called Bogenhofen. Some of you know Bogenhofen. Have any been there? I've been there. Okay. Okay, we, Bogenhofen. Now, his sister goes to Bogenhofen. His family finds out, or they, they know what's happened. They, this is how amazing it is, you guys. They actually ask Wiesam to go to Bogenhofen to either convince his sister to recant or to stone her. That's really how serious this is, you guys, okay? He goes to Bogenhofen thinking that he's going to convince his sister to come back. And he thinks, oh, wow, this whole school of Christians, I'm going to convince all of them that they're wrong. (laughs) Because I know. Instead, something else happened. Wiesem's heart was completely changed. The people he was trying to convert, converted him. Wiesam became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. This fiery, Muslim, devoted person now becomes an Adventist. And he now is faced with a dilemma. Because his family, of course, has said that if anybody becomes a Christian, it's stoning. His uncle, his whole family, they were a very powerful family in this town... And so, long story short, when Wiesam comes back, he is punished by stoning several times. He would have died if his brothers had not 
come, come over him and protected him and, and gotten his other family members going to go away. Eventually they said, Wiesam, you need to leave. You're going to be killed. So he did. He left. Now, for the rest of the story, I'm going to show you the video because it's a little better than me telling it. I want you to see Wiesam here in person. And this is really incredible because, hold on just a second, guys, as I'm going to set this up. Because what happened to him was nothing short of a miracle. And I will tell you that I have actually held in my hand what you're going to see in this video, okay? I've held it in my hand. And you're saying, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll show you. You guys ready? Let's go to Nazareth. I've been doing radio and broadcasting to the most remote locations of the world in more than 130 different languages. We've been doing this for the past, well, almost 50 years now. But I've never seen anything like this before. From that type of rebels and assassins, almost daily we can see news of amazing miracles taking place all around the globe of us. Weeds' story right here in Nazareth is an example that especially touched my heart. Being born Muslim, Weeson was taught to hate Christianity. So when his sister decided to become a Christian, he was sent by his family to kill her. But because of a miraculous dream from God, he decided to begin studying the Bible. He soon returned to Nazareth to share his new belief with his family. And his uncle, upon hearing this, became very angry and ordered his stoning. This happened over and over until finally his brother stepped in. Then his father advised Wiesam to flee the country. Years later, after his father and uncle died, Wiesam's mother invited him to return. He immediately saw an opportunity to share Jesus in Nazareth. So he decided to set up a center of influence where he used the Bible to teach English to his fellow people. We also gave Wiesam AWR God Pods, which he distributed among his community. Recently, though, things took a turn for the worse, as the sons of his dead uncle found out what Wiesam was doing. They, too, had participated in his stoning many years before, and now rallied a mob and went to Wiesam's house to attack him. Wiesam's wife, Audrey, heard the commotion downstairs and rushed out to see what was happening. She knew right away that Wiesam was in serious trouble and fell on her knees and began to pray. Wiesam's brothers rushed to protect him when he was hit with a metal rod, but then his own cousin pulled out his knife and stabbed Wiesam. But to his astonishment, the knife bent, leaving him unharmed. Wiesam's brother then picked up the bent knife and said, Try again to kill the man of God. As the mob retreated, they threatened, You will not know where or when, but we will kill you. Several months later, Wiesam received a shocking phone call that these same two cousins had been killed while riding their motorcycle. It just reminds me that if God is for us, who can be against us? This miraculous event agitated the Muslim community so much that Wiesam knew it was the perfect time to use AWR's cell phone evangelism. He immediately sought out someone to translate the sermons into Arabic. He found a man named Jamil who readily agreed to help. 
Jamil worked for days, sometimes late into the night, translating the Bible-based sermons. As he read, he was so greatly moved by the presentations that he felt compelled to share them with one of his friends from the Baptist Church. She was so amazed by the sermons that she shared them with her pastor, who was also impressed by what he read. He then sought out Wiesem to preach at his church. Wiesem presented at the Baptist Church, sharing Bible prophecy, our health message, and Ellen White's writings. Their hearts were so convicted that the pastor and almost his whole congregation made the decision to be baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen. And on a beautiful Sabbath day, we held a church service at the Jordan River. Then one by one, they entered into the water. We soon have the joy of baptizing these precious souls with Elder Dwayne McKee. Pretty incredible story, guys, isn't that? Praise God. And I'll tell you, I just want to tell you that I have held the knife in my hands. And um, I will tell you that, you know, they say that... Oh, something... I guess we're going back to Africa. <laughs> Hold on. I guess... That's a great video, too. That's a really great video. Um, that is a great, great video. Um, I'd encourage you to watch it. That's also on Madagascar. But guys, I've held the knife in my hands, and you know that, that steel, if you bend it, it breaks. It doesn't bend. This knife is perfectly bent with no sign of manipulation or heating. I firmly believe that it was a miracle of God, that the angel stayed that knife from killing Wiesam. And you know what? Wiesam is still today in Nazareth, risking his life because he's still in a very risky situation because he believes that God called him and he has said, here I am, Lord, send me. I want you to pray for Wiesam, amen? And pray because we're starting an AWR center of influence there in Nazareth to reach the Arabs throughout Israel. So please, will you pray with me that God will help reach the people in Israel? Amen, amen. Final story today and then we're going to close. This is my favorite story of Adventist World Radio. On the border of North Korea and China, there is a river. And this river is well known because it is one of the only ways that North Koreans can escape their very closed country to find freedom. In North Korea, it is illegal to be a Christian. In fact, it is punishable by death. We do not know how many Adventists we have in North Korea. We do believe we have some. We do not know how many. We cannot send missionaries. We can barely broadcast. But there in North Korea, there is this river that, 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 that goes along with the border of China. And one day, there was a young woman a few years ago. Her name was Kim. She was in her 20s. Kim was not a Christian, but she desired to leave North Korea to escape so that she could find freedom and earn money and somehow send it back to her family. She wanted nothing more than to be free. But there's one problem. If you try to escape that by swimming that river, you risk your life. They say there's a, a three-strike rule. If you're caught the first time, you're sent back, you're punished, you're put in prison, and you're told not to try again. If you're caught the second time, you're punished more severely, and this time they tell you, if you try a third time, you will be executed. 
caught the third time, it's immediate execution. Now, Kim, she wanted freedom. And so uh, one day she decided she was going to go for it, and she went for it. She started fording the river, but soon as she did, some of the guards saw her, and they caught her. And they punished her, and they said, Kim, don't try this again. You think that stopped her? Why? She wanted freedom, right? So she waited a little while, and then she planned her next attempt at a different spot, and she tries it again. This time, again, she thinks she's going to make it, but then she is caught, sent back. She's punished more severely, put in jail, and she said, and they told her, Kim, if you try to escape again, we will kill you. Now, do you think that stopped Kim? Why? Because she wanted freedom. And so, she was thinking about it and trying to plan her escape. This time, she decides to go under the cover of darkness. And there, under the cover of darkness, sometime later, she gets in the river and she slowly starts to make her way across. And this time, this time, she makes it. She can hardly believe it. She's on the Chinese side of the border and she gets out of the water and she's running, she's running into the darkness. And there in this Chinese village, there are families that are sometimes aware that these, refu that these North Koreans come out. And this kind Chinese family took her into their home. They said, young lady, we will let you stay here and hide here until you are ready to go. You know, you see, the North Koreans, their goal is to make it to Mongolia because if they get to Mongolia, they can find the South Korean embassy who will then ship them to South Korea where they will be free. So Kim's goal was to make it to Mongolia. But as she was in hiding in that house, the Chinese family decided to give her a little gift. Can anybody guess what that might be? Oh, you guys are right. Amen. A plus. You guys are right on with it. Amen. Good job. They gave her a radio. And so Kim started to turn the dial. And as she's turning the dial, suddenly she finds the familiar Korean language. And as she starts listening, she realizes she's hearing things she's never heard before. She hears about a book called the Bible. And she hears about a man, a man named Jesus. Kim found Adventist World Radio. And for the first time in her life, she hears sermons about the gospel, about the word of God. And her heart is deeply moved as she's listening to these messages. And, as she, and every night, she puts a blanket over her and she turns on her radio and she listens for hours. Eventually, she's able to find a Bible in Korean and she's reading the Bible and listening to the radio. And eventually, she believes everything she is hearing. She... She wants to find out who these Adventists are that she's hearing about on the radio. And so after some time, she determines that she is going to find out who these Sabbath-keeping Adventists are. And so on a Friday night, she sets out on foot. She, go, she wants to find a church. And she goes and she finds an Adventist church there in a, in a village some ways away. And she goes into this church and it was on a Friday night. The pastor was up in the front speaking. He sees her coming in the back, and he knows that she's a North Korean refugee because sometimes he sees North Koreans coming in the back of his church, but usually, almost always, they're wanting one thing. What do you think that is? They want money, right? Because they're desperate. 
They've escaped North Korea, and they want money. And so he fully expects that when he sees Kim come in the back, that she's going to ask him for money. But at the end of the service, when he goes to the back, and he sits down next to her, and he says, young lady, how can I help you? He can hardly believe his ears the next thing that she says. She says, Pastor, there's only one thing I want. Will you baptize me? Baptize you? Do you even know what baptism is? She said, yes, Pastor. I've learned all about Jesus on the radio. I want to be baptized. Now I'm going to show you the rest of the story. One night at my church, an unfamiliar woman entered and sat near the back. Her face bore hard lines hiding her youth. I wondered who she was. This stranger sat alone on a pew, and after everyone had left, the pastor joined her. I escaped North Korea, she admitted, and I'm not safe here in China either. But I have one request, she said. Will you baptize me? Do you even know what baptism means? I questioned. Yes. Was her resolute response. I learned about Jesus through the radio. While in hiding, this dear woman found a radio and tuned it stopped when she heard bits of a familiar Korean language. It was the voice of hope through Adventist World Radio. This discovery soon turned her loneliness and fear into courage and hope as she learned about the one who left all and died for her salvation. A longing was born in her heart to one day go back and share what she was learning with her family and friends in North Korea. We studied the Bible together for one week, and she soaked up every word. You could feel the Holy Spirit's presence in the room. After this week of studying, a secret baptism was held. All the doors and windows were closed, and everyone sang hymns softly so as not to be heard. And in a lonely bathtub, this North Korean lady was baptized. With tear-stained cheeks and joyous eyes, she declared her allegiance to God alone. Baptism, she expressed her desire for freedom and the ability to study the Bible at the Adventist University in South Korea. She set off on foot that very night. Sometime later, I received a phone call. The voice on the other line said in a whisper, I have safely arrived to the border. Tonight is the night. Please pray for me. All I could think about were the eight strands of barbed wire. Would she make it? Unfortunately, she did not cross the border that night, but was found by Chinese soldiers who sent her back to her country of birth, where she was executed. I was so saddened to receive this news. I would never see those joyful eyes again. 
I remembered what she had told me. Even if I am captured, I will die with the hope of salvation. She sought freedom, and what the North Korean soldiers did not realize is, she found it. True freedom in Jesus Christ, and no one could take this from her. You may never be called to go to North Korea. But I stand here today to tell you that just as surely as Kim was called, you are called. Kim was willing to lay down everything in her life for the one thing. <laughs> there was only one thing that mattered to her after, after she found Jesus. Only one thing mattered, and that was to tell others about him. She wanted to go back and tell her family and her friends what she had found. Nothing else mattered in life. She had one focus, one purpose. And I want to ask you today, guys, what is your purpose? What is your focus in life? You know, I believe with all my heart that Kim, when she gets to heaven, she's going to meet a lot of people who are inspired by her testimony. There's actually one young man who was. His name was also Kim. In Korea, Seoul, Korea, he actually, South Korea, he was also a North Korean refugee. And just three years ago, right before COVID, we were there in Seoul for a missions conference and we met this man. I didn't meet him, but Elder Wilson and a group met him. He actually had studied the Bible and become an Adventist in Seoul and was baptized at this missions conference. And he heard about Kim's story. And he said, I am going to fulfill what she left off. What she could not, I'm going to fulfill her dream. I'm going to go to Samyuk. I'm going to become a missionary. And as soon as possible, I'm going to go to that river and swim it the opposite direction so that I can go in and be a missionary like Kim wanted to be. He is still at Samyuk University studying to this day. Friends, I want to ask you to pray for North Korea. Amen. Pray for these places around the world that are so hard to reach, that by God's grace, AWR, we're trying to broadcast and, and reach people there. But more importantly than that, friends, I want you to ask yourself the question, where is my North Korea? Where is God calling you to go? Because just as surely as God called Kim, He is calling you. Every single one of us has a calling on our life. There are only people, there are people that only you can reach. Time is short. If anything, this year, if this year has taught us anything, friends, if this COVID era has taught us anything, tomorrow is not guaranteed. We need to lay it all on the line today. Amen? GYC, do you hear me? Jesus is calling you. He says, who is going to go for me? This room can change the world. This room, this number. Friends, I hope you've caught from this seminar today the calling that God has for you. I hope that by listening to these stories, you've been inspired that Jesus wants to use you. You may not feel like you have very much, like Mama Miembe and her Barta church, right? You may not feel like you have what it takes. May you've never been a preacher, but God is saying, I need you. I want you to go for me. I want to ask you today as we close, will you say to the Lord Jesus, here I am, Lord, send me. Is that your response? Is that what you want to say? Amen. Guys, 
my appeal today is very simple. I want to appeal to your heart to answer the call. Maybe God is calling some of you to be missionaries to difficult places. Maybe he's calling some of you, praise God, Jesus for Asia, amen, to go to Asia. Maybe he's calling some of you to go to the Middle East. We talked about Minna. Maybe he's calling some of you to someday go to North Korea. I don't know where he's calling you, but friends, I know that he is calling you. Your choice, which only you can decide, is will you say yes? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm willing to go. If that is your desire, will you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the story of Kim. Thank you for her willingness to go wherever you sent her to go. Lord, she had one purpose in her life. Once she found you, the only purpose that she wanted to have was to tell others about Jesus and of his soon return. Lord, I pray that we would be motivated and inspired by her testimony. Though she was not given more time on this earth, Lord, you have given us time. And today we stand before you and we want to say, Lord, here we are. Send us wherever you are calling us to be. Father, some of us may be called to be missionaries in difficult countries. Some of us may be called right here in Collegedale to do our part, Lord. But whatever it is today, we want to respond to this call. We don't want to be lukewarm Christians. We want to be on fire for the gospel. We want to take these three angels' messages to the world in this generation. Because like William Miller, Lord, we have fixed our minds on another time. And we are 177 years closer to the return of Jesus today than they were in 1844. Lord, please, fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Empower us to follow your method to reach the world so that Jesus will come in our lifetimes. Lord, please, we pray, take our meager offering and multiply it for the glory of your name. Use our lives to glorify you and that many may be saved as a result, Father. Thank you, Father, for how you're going to answer this prayer. I pray that you would bless my friends and their commitment here today. And Lord, we will give you all the glory and all the praise. And I close with this promise, Lord, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that works in us through Christ Jesus. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.